And it is your money. I'm Susie Jones, your host. And it is time now to turn our attention to the special guests each and every Sunday morning. Here is the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and financial advisor, Bruce Helmer, and senior vice president and financial advisor, Peg Webb. And today we're going to talk about maximizing our inheritance. To both of you, hello. I hope everyone is well. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Susie. Hello, Peg Webb. Hello, Susie Jones. And thank you, Susie. That's spot on. We're going to give listeners uh, five smart things to do if they come into a lot of money. It could be in the form of an inheritance, a bonus, a tax refund, winning the lottery, some financial windfall, some uh, key things to, to think about. Hey, Peg, really quickly, before we jump into the topic, I just wanted to mention, I got to thinking, my my perception, and tell me if you have the same perception from your clients and the people you talk to, my perception is that people out there are very negative about the economy, very negative about investments, and the market's been bad, and, and, and they're, they're bombarded with bad news, whether it's you know, the war in Gaza or the war in Ukraine or what North Korea might do next and, and what Iran might do next. and but the, but the economic news in terms of uh, GDP growth, uh, inflation, it's still high. I don't want to trivialize that. I know a lot of people are struggling at the pump, struggling in the grocery store to make ends meet. But it's not as bad as it was. It's gotten better. And the stock market, after a horribly bad 2022, has actually, for the most part, been quite good this year. And I know the year's not over yet. But at this point, the Dow is up. The Dow industrial average is up some 9.3 or 9.4 percent. And the S&P 500 is up roughly 19 percent. So not everything is doom and gloom and bad. There's actually a lot of positive economic news out there. But my perception when I talk to people is they don't realize it or they they don't know that. They, they seem to be very negative. Is that, is that what the sense you're getting from clients, or is that just the, the cloud that I live in? <clears throat> well, it might be the cloud, Bruce. I, I, um, <laughs> I, 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 sorry to say that, but I, people are optimistic in what they see. I would absolutely agree with you, though, about world peace. You know, um, it, it probably isn't a long part of my review conversations, but yet I can tell that they're concerned, not only for themselves, but for their children, their grandchildren, just kind of a comment of where is this world headed? You know, um, but there's a lot of positive things happening, meaning when we go through the numbers, when we go through the their ability to create income for the rest of their lives. I would say that the reviews are, um, they end with an uplifting feeling. So, so I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to be Debbie Downer because I, I don't feel that, but yet so much concern for world peace and how can this be happening in 2023, Bruce? Yeah, I think that's fair. And I would say my reviews end up positive, but they don't always start positive. You know, I, people come in thinking their accounts are doing badly, and then I show them how much they've gained since last year at this time, and they're like, oh, well, I, I, yeah, I didn't realize that. I guess that's good news. But, yeah, you're right. This cloud of what's going on in the world 
sort of hangs over everything in our everyday life, and, uh, and hopefully cooler heads can prevail and some of these things can come to resolution. Well, let's shift gears and get into the topic we actually uh, uh, we're going to talk about today. You know, whether Peg, whether it's inherited wealth, like I said at the beginning, like Susie said, whether it's uh, um, you know uh, winning the lottery or some sort of a settlement or some sort of a bonus, we're really talking about. Um, some sort of windfall, some sort of significant amount of money. And, and as much as that seems like it should be good news, there's a lot of challenges and there's a lot of things to consider to make sure we maximize the efficiency. And we've kind of focused, we're going to focus on five different things to share with people. Peg? Yeah, and we we do deal with this every single day, more so from the inheritance of parents uh, passing away. But uh, I think there's a theme out there that um, more wealth equals happiness. And that is, I mean, we get to witness people. Um, and that's what I love about our job is that we live through our clients' lives. And I can actually tell you that more wealth doesn't necessarily equal happiness. In a lot of cases, there is such extreme complex emotions. Now, I'm talking, Bruce, about, you know, the parents passing away and these kids, and they're not really kids anymore, right? They're 50, 60, in some cases, 70 years old. Um, and some people are in their 40s, but more so you know, people are living longer, so they're getting this inheritance um, a little bit earlier, I mean, later than they normally would. So so we've got five things here. Uh, so what we've witnessed, and, and when we meet with the, the, um, the people that inherit this money, is we tell them that they, need, they, that they need to take time. You know, now, a lot of times they're still grieving the person that's gone, and you know, you can't make good decisions when you're in that state of mind. So in some cases, the children, and when I say children, I mean the people who inherited the money, once again, they could be 50, 60, they might already be our clients. You know, so if that's the case, we're very um, informed about what their circumstances are. And, and we may have even put some inheritance in their financial plan because it, it was an inevitable that there's going to be money there. But in some cases, you know, uh, people will come in and say, oh, you know, I'm still driving this 10-year-old car. I need that car. They just come in with their list, Bruce, about, you know, what do they want to do with this money? But the first step, and this is just uh, my opinion, is do not race to make a decision. You know, um, make sure that you take some time and not only for yourself, but so a lot of people now today that are inheriting money, they may make the decision that they want to just shift it to the next generation. Bruce? Yeah, you, there's a lot of good things there, Peg, that you mentioned. I want to just unbundle a couple of them. So you, you started off really by saying the, the old cliche or the old adage, money doesn't buy happiness. And that's absolutely true. But again, money can bring some positive things into your life. Or as I always say, um, and, and I'm a good example, I'm someone that grew up uh, without much money. I grew up poor, and I didn't ask anybody to feel sorry for me. 
And now I've been blessed to have some money, and, and I will say having money better than not having money, but it doesn't solve all your problems. And again, in, in fact, it can uh, create some things like guilt or remorse or do I deserve this and now how do I be a good steward of this money? So you brought up a lot of really good things there, and you also mentioned not rushing into anything. Sometimes if you inherit money, there's some things that need to be done reasonably quickly in terms of finishing the uh, you know the disposition of the estate. So there might be some decisions you have to make faster than others. But to the extent that you can delay and go through the grieving process or the process of you know understanding emotionally how this windfall is going to affect your life, absolutely makes sense. And you know what? It's it's much easier today to take your time if you can park money somewhere. And, and make 5% on it with no risk of principle, delaying the decision is, is a lot more economically efficient than it was you know, a few years ago when you'd park that money and make 0.1% of what you know. So at least now while you're, while you're taking your time to figure things out, you can go get a good yield on that money because interest rates are higher than they've been in a really, really long time. So I like those two, those two key things, to take your time and, and understand that you know, money's not going to change who you are. You are who you are. Now you, you are who you are with a little bit more money. Peg? Yeah. Number two here is pay down debt. Now, I'm a big fan of debt-free. And you know, now with interest rates higher, You've been. Um, we can witness that people are are um, feeling a little bit of anxious angst on if they have anything that has anything north of three and a half percent. Now, I'm getting a lot of questions, Bruce, about cars. You know, all of a sudden they want to charge five, six percent for this car. Should they then pay cash versus when it was zero or one point nine or something like that? So the discussions are different. But um, I'm a big fan of paying down debt. So when I witness people inheriting something or winning the lottery or doing something where that's newfound money, um, I always go to what the debt is and what percentage you're paying on it versus just jumping into uh, investing it. Bruce? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Peg. Uh, and, and I've had this literally happen to me many times during my career where someone will have um, an, an infusion of capital, a windfall for some reason, and they will say they want to invest it with me. And when we when we dig a little deeper and analyze their situation, and I uncover a you know a big balance on a credit card, my advice, almost a hundred times out of a hundred, is don't invest that money with me yet. You need to liquidate that that high interest credit card debt, because if you invest it with me, I certainly cannot expect or guarantee or anticipate that we're going to get a rate of return higher than the cost of that debt service. So oversimplified example, someone has a windfall of $20,000 and they say, I want to invest it. And I look, they've got a $20,000 balance on a credit card. They're paying 12.9% interest. I would be in my mind, I would, I would be a horrible advisor. In fact, I would say it borders on malpractice if I said, yeah, invest that money with me and not tell them to pay off the credit card debt. But like you said, you have to look at the cost of the debt service. If they have debt like a mortgage at 
less than 4%, and maybe they can deduct that interest on their tax return, maybe in that situation, I would not tell them to apply it to the debt. But you're, you're right. People want to invest, and that's admirable, but sometimes you shouldn't, or sometimes your best investment is liquidating bad debt. Yeah, three is setting realistic expectations. And I can um, tell a little story here because some people actually believe when they get this inheritance, they just go, they, they kind of go, oh, now the weight and the stress is off of me. And um, these are people that haven't worked with us before. But what happens is, is if somebody, if a client passes away and there's three children, five children, you know, we're contacting those children or the executors contacting their siblings or whoever's going to inherit the money. And then they come through us to either distribute the money or make suggestions of what they should do. So our experiences is when we meet these people for the first time that have been inherited money, there's just this kind of sigh of, oh, there's my retirement, you know. Well, uh, they don't necessarily understand how much it takes to create a paycheck for the rest of their lives with the sum that they're getting. And then they also have a uh, immediate, this is what I want to do, whether it is paying off debt or I need this new car or I need to help my grandchildren, I need to do all these things. And the list is so long. So this one is just to set realistic expectations. And sometimes, Bruce, it's hard to do that by yourself. You know, one of the things that we do when people come and see us is we ask them to fill out this kind of survey. And it's got questions on there about, you know, what is it that you'd like to have your money do and what's important to you? And all those questions, you have to go through that exercise to take that inheritance and because um, it is complex and and then, you know, conclude now that I have this plan, if you will, now I can implement it and then feel really good about it, not just this impulse of, oh, now I've got all this money that I can just, you know, retire now or I'm going to be set for life, but yet they haven't ran a single number projection to know whether that's real or not. Bruce? Peg, I was smiling ear to ear the whole while that you went through that because it's so relatable to me. I have had this happen multiple times in my career where somebody – gets this inheritance or this windfall for whatever reason, and one of the first things they say is, now I'm going to quit my job. And, and that may be possible, but it may not be. You need, to, you need to be realistic. And, you know, all the things that you're doing up until that point of this windfall, you should keep doing those things. If, you're, if you don't have a rainy day fund or you've been contributing to a rainy day fund, you should keep doing it or you should start doing it. You should keep contributing to a retirement plan. You shouldn't retire until somebody helps you run the numbers and make sure that you can afford to retire. So I could not agree more, and I've seen it happen in my career many, many times where people think that this money changes everything, and it usually doesn't. It just usually isn't enough that it changes everything and means you can develop a, a bunch of bad habits or make a bunch of impetuous uh, uh, decisions. Well, and I think, you know, people are more aware today than they've ever been about how much more things are costing today. So, I mean, healthcare has been constantly going up so that a lot of people are familiar with that cost, but just 
everything in our life right now is just costing more. And so I highly encourage people that would um, are either preparing for a windfall or, um, you know, soon to get any kind of a pay, like if you're retiring and a lot of companies will give you kind of a lump sum or you've got your 401k to put in your own control. Sometimes when people retire or they get these windfalls, they have never been in this position before. Never. You know, they just went to work, put money in their 401k, just like clockwork. And then this is a huge event, retiring or, you know, getting some inheritance. So we treat it in the same fashion. And we should, because we're trying to create confidence that you um, that you can create a paycheck for the rest of your life. And once again, I'm getting goosebumps because it's so um, takes a lot of convincing, right? When you're talking about 10, 20, 30 years of time and uh, either doing it alone or having help. I'm a big fan of having help, not only as a financial advisor, but also with a tax professional and an estate um, attorney. And Wealth Enhancement Group happens to have specialists of all that uh, within our uh, firm. So it makes it easy on you and I, Bruce, but um, I encourage people to get help. Um, yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, what's number four on your list? Well, this is the most complicated one of all of them. And this is um, a lot of times you don't get the inheritance tax free, you know, so many, many, many people took advantage of deferring their taxes with IRAs or 401ks or 403bs. And, and, it, and that's okay in that uh, the thought there was, why not earn money on money that I would otherwise pay Uncle Sam? Why would I pay him now? Why wouldn't I compound my future growth on money that I could keep in that plan, even though you knew all along that you had to pay the piper one day, right? And so if you inherit money like an IRA or even a Roth IRA, and this is super confusing, Roth IRAs, um, you put in after-tax money, and then it grows tax-free, provided that you've had it for five years or more, uh, and then you, you compound tax-free. And when you take those distributions, there's no tax to be paid unless it goes to a non-spouse um, upon your death. So if somebody inherits that IRA um, on the taxable side, the rules are now, whether it's a taxable IRA or it's a Roth IRA, that those dollars have to be out within 10 years. So that's a huge change. Uh, we used to be able to we use the word stretch. We were used to be able to stretch those uh, distributions over a lifetime. In a lot of cases, it was 30 years of time you had to pay the tax on that IRA but not anymore. So a couple of years ago, they changed that rule. And so we do a, a lot of educating on, you know, what does that rule mean to you? And then with these <clears throat> people that inherit, and I talked about if there's three people, five people, uh, many of them come to us because they don't know what these rules, like, what do I have to do? What, how much do I have to take out? Or in some cases, Bruce, we have clients, 
new clients that inherited money or existing clients, and maybe we take one-tenth of that money out over 10 years of time. So there's some freedom of when you want to take it, uh, but there's mandatory dollar amounts that you have to take uh, per year. Bruce? Yeah, Peg, I want to dig a little bit deeper into this one in terms of paying paying attention of the inheritance and whether it's what we call qualified money or Roth or, or, or non-qualified money, because I still, again, frequently get people that have this inheritance and they're totally confused about what they get to keep and what they have to pay in taxes. And one of the big value adds that we bring is help them understand that. So I want to dig just a little bit deeper in that one. And then we have a fifth thing that we didn't get to. But, Susie, I know we're almost out of time for the first half, so we'll finish up our discussion on the five ways to maximize your windfall, and then we'll get listeners involved as well. That sounds great. Let's remind people right now, if you're listening and you have a question for Bruce or Peg, it is 651-461-9226. That is our text line. It is also the talk line. If you want to call 651-461-9226 and ask Bruce or Peg a question, you are certainly free to do that. You are encouraged to do that, actually. 651-461-9226. We're back right after this brief break. Welcome back. It is your money. I'm Susie Jones, along with Peg Webb and Bruce Helmer from the Wealth Enhancement Group. Again, it's your money, and it is time for you to ask questions or text or call 651-461-9226. We already have a couple of texts and a caller waiting to come on as well, but I know we want to, you guys mentioned that we had some other items to get to before we did that, so take it away. Thank you, Susie Jones, and we don't want to leave that caller holding too long, so we'll wrap this up pretty quickly. Listeners, if you joined us late, uh, Peg and I have been talking about uh, smart ways to maximize. Mostly we've been talking about an inheritance, but a lot of these things, or most of these things apply to any windfall, sale of a business, uh, tax refund, settlement, whatever, but you get this sudden infusion of capital and you might think, oh, this doesn't feel real to me, or I don't deserve this, I, I feel guilty about it, or uh, the opposite uh, reaction might be, oh my gosh, I'm rich and I can afford to retire now. And what we're, uh, the things that we're talking about, number one, we said take time to process this. Um, make sure that you, you think things through. Make sure you go through the emotional process. If this windfall is an inheritance from the loss of a loved one, Give yourself a chance to grieve. Take your time. Uh, maybe even park it in a you know, in an interest-bearing account, money in an interest-bearing account, so you can for, for, uh, totally formulate a plan. Number two, we talked about paying down bad debt or inefficient debt. Number three, we said set realistic expectations. Number four, Peg, we talked about pay attention to where the money's coming from because there's a big difference between what we call qualified money, meaning it's in an IRA or a 401k or some type of pre-tax, tax-deferred retirement plan versus money that's not in any kind of a tax-sheltered plan, it's going to be taxed and treated very differently. In fact, if it's money that's not in an IRA, you, you may have very little tax consequence or maybe none because, generally speaking, the basis or what the 
what the price that was paid for the particular assets that you're inheriting, that basis steps up to the value of the person that's passing away and the value on the day they die. For example, if I went out and bought a stock for a dollar a share 30 years ago and now it's worth $100 a share, if I sell that stock, I have to pay the taxes on a $99 a share gain in, in price on uh, share price on that stock. But I pass. But if I pass away and I leave that stock to my kids, their basis steps up to the $100 a share that it's worth now. And if they sell that stock at $100 a share, they don't have any tax consequence. But on an IRA, you're going to pay taxes on all the distributions or all the withdrawals. And the, as Peg pointed out in the first half of the show, those rules have changed. You used to be able to stretch that out over statistical life expectancy over a, or, or a long period of time. Now you have to deplete that account value most of the time. There's some exceptions to this, but most of the time you have to deplete that account value and pay the tax within a 10-year period of time. The stretch IRA has essentially gone away. So, Peg, that's as far as we've got. Anything else you want to add to the tax uh, uh, question, and then we have one more point uh, or uh, of consideration to get in. Pick. No, I think that I think you did a super super job of explaining that. And then the last one was just considering how the inheritance might change you both financially and personally. And the only comment I wanted to make on this is a lot of times, a really high percentage of time, there is a spouse. So one person inherited money and then there's a spouse, right? So we deal with some of that complexity because now it's, let's say she inherited it. He um, had nothing to do with it, right? It wasn't his parents. It wasn't his family. Well, and um, so one of the things that we do encourage people to do is if you inherit money, you might want to keep that money in your own name, just in case if something happened between the two of you. If you co-mingle it, you know, as an inherited asset, then um, this is meaning it's not an IRA and it's not a Roth IRA. But if you co-mingle it, then there's an argument that you 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 uh, wanted to share that for the rest of your life. So that might be uh, just that's just a tip for people to know. And Susie says we have this caller, Paul, and then we also have many, many texts uh, waiting, Bruce. Let's go to him. All right. Yep. Paul is waiting on our text and talk line, 651-461-9226. Paul, go ahead. You're on the air with Bruce and Peg. Hi. Um, I want to talk annuities. Um, I I don't have a lot of money. <clears throat> I, I got 80000 to invest, and... Um, People have told me to be careful with annuities, but they also there's others that say you can in you can accumulate in an annuity, um, which is what I'm trying to do. I went through a divorce and uh, kind of wiped out uh, half of my IRA, and so um, I'm looking for some ways to grow that money and then um, they say that you can convert it to a income annuity where it pays you monthly and I'll hang up and listen. Thank you Paul appreciate it. You guys? Yeah 
Thank you, Paul. Thanks for listening and thanks for your question. So, Peg, it's a really good question, but it can be a very detailed answer if we're going to explain annuities to Paul and listeners. Peg? Yeah, and there are pros and cons to annuity. So an annuity is just a, 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 an investment that is issued by insurance companies. And they're not all alike by any means. Um, you also have to be uh, careful of the provider of the annuity and how strong that particular company is. Because a lot of times you are relying on that company to pay you an income for life. So some of the pros are, uh, as Paul had mentioned, you can create some guaranteed income for yourself. It has a lot of custom features. So you can choose all sorts of different things, which actually makes it harder for people when they're looking at buying annuities. And then um, many of them do have um, money managers or mutual funds or you know investments that you can pick from, or you can choose to do a fixed um, option. But the cons are usually they're higher fees. Usually they lock you in for a certain amount of time, so less flexibility. If you were to leave that annuity there's ahead of schedule, then there's um, surrender charges. And then uh, sometimes you might have tax penalties. Uh, so they are a complex vehicle. So if, you, if you're considering that, you do need to, I believe, work with someone that's very knowledgeable about your choices on annuities. Bruce? Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said, Peg. I'll just add a little bit. Um, and, and I want to go back also to our topic. You know, the last thing we talked about was uh, consider how an inheritance may affect you. We're talking about inheritance and windfalls. And, and I've, I've had the situation come up before where somebody has this infusion of capital, and they'll ask me about annuities. And one of the first things I point out to them is what you already said. One of the disadvantages is that you're generally going to give up some liquidity. So annuities are not going to be appropriate if liquidity is a need or a high priority. And Peg, I think there's a lot of negative perception about annuities, and part of it goes back maybe even a generation or two where people are aware of situations or experiences where somebody had an annuity and they selected what's called a settlement option or they annuitized the annuity, and if they selected a lifetime income benefit, and they die after a short period of time, the, the survivors and the family and the loved ones end up getting shortchanged and they feel ripped off because the insurance company or the annuity company kept all this money. But, but that's a little unfair to annuities because, number one, you don't have to select a settlement option, and number two, you don't have to take a lifetime income option only. It's not unlike people that have a pension and they want to select a pension option, and they say, well, I can take 100% pension, but then if I predecease my spouse or significant other, they get nothing. I don't want to do that. I want to take some sort of joint and survivor option so they continue to get paid if I predecease them. So some of the negative perception of annuities is unfair or unjustified, but you're right. The big disadvantages can be complicated or confusing, uh, more expensive than other investments, and a, a sacrifice of liquidity. But for the investor that says, I want to participate in the market or I need to participate in the market to get a return that's high enough to more than keep pace with inflation and give me enough return so I know that I won't run out of money before I die, 
So I need this market participation, but I'm terrified of another 2008 or another 2022, and I'm afraid of retraction in the market. The annuity might provide certain protections against market loss, and it might provide, as you said, uh, a definite guaranteed income stream. In fact, I think if you look up annuity in a dictionary, that's the definition. It says something like planned periodic payments. So it has its good points. It has its bad points. Um, There are a lot of people that should never use an annuity, but there's a lot of people that it might be a very good strategy for. We are not a firm like many that say annuities are bad all the time, always. You should never use them. We use them and recommend them when we think they're appropriate. But where I wanted to segue or tie this back into our discussion about a windfall is don't make a decision like this by yourself. Get a financial advisor to help you determine, you know, how to best maximize your windfall or get the help of, a, of an advisor to help you determine is an annuity a good idea for you, yes or no, and if it is, find an annuity that's appropriate. Because as you said, Peg, they're not all the same. There are a lot of different features and benefits. There's a lot of different companies. Some are stronger financially than others. This is not a decision that should be left to someone by themselves. They really ought to get guidance. All right. Yeah, thanks. We'll jump in. This person writes, um, Bruce, you might cover this after the break, but I'm confused on what happens if I leave my kids an inheritance that's an IRA. Is their main option to roll into their own IRA versus being able to cash some of it out? How will they be taxed and how will they pay the taxes over the 10 years if they don't have cash on hand? I don't want to be a burden on them to pay the taxes. So I inherited the money from a trust and was easily distributed directly to my money market. So that's the question they'd like clarification on. Yeah, Susie, that is a great question. And Peg, we did kind of skim over that a little fast. We're going to have to dive a little deeper into that question of inheritance, of qualified money, IRAs, uh, 401ks, 403bs versus non-qualified money. It's a really good question. You want to you want to uh, uh, dive in a little deeper, Peg? Sure. No problem. Yes. So step one, excuse me, step one is if you inherited an IRA um, or a Roth IRA, you have to keep that asset separate. So even if you have your own IRA and you have your own Roth, there's no commingling. You need to open a separate account for those um, inherited IRAs. The reason for that is because the rules, if you're a spouse, that's no problem. You can you can take those assets, and I'm talking about non-spousal um, people that get these inherited IRAs. Then you have the freedom to take out as much money as you want to. It just has to be out in 10 years. So some people who don't want to spend the money, there's a dollar amount that the IRS mandates that you take out each year. But you have the choice if you want to take more than that at any time. You can take those assets and cash the entire thing in the minute that you get the inheritance and the account is set up in your name. So there's lots of flexibility there. It's just that the new part of this is that within 10 years, that money has to be out of those accounts. And the most shocking thing to people was a Roth IRA where you put in after-tax money, it grew tax-free, 
those also apply to this 10-year rule. So that was brand new. And now they, you know, the IRS doesn't want the Rockefeller effect. They don't want these tax-free Roth IRAs to just compound and compound and people never take money out of them. That would be a huge um, Roth IRA one day, and they want to eliminate that through the generations. Bruce? Yeah, yeah, all good stuff, Peg. And to the texter's question about the tax, in the case of a Roth, even though they have to take withdrawals or distributions, even they, it's mandated they take it out, but there's still no tax on it. So in that case, they're not going to get hurt by the tax. On the inherited a traditional IRA, where they have to take withdrawals and pay the tax, let's, let's not forget that there's still going to be net ahead. The tax is going to be some percentage of the total amount of the withdrawal, but in terms of, well, how do they pay the tax? If they have to take, and I'm making these numbers up, but if they have to take 10000 out of the IRA and they owe 3000 in taxes on it, when they took that $10,000 withdrawal, that money's now sitting somewhere in a money market or a bank account, or they've got that money. They take 3000 of it and they pay the taxes and they still net seven. So they still have a net gain. They don't go financially backwards or it's not a burden that they inherited that money. But having said that, I've often said somewhat tongue-in-cheek but somewhat seriously too, IRAs may have been a great planning strategy while you were alive to defer taxes, to pay less in taxes, to accumulate more, but they're not good dollars to die with because, again, those heirs are going to have to pay the taxes. You, you, the IRS is not going to forget. Either you pay the taxes when you spend the money, or if you didn't and you leave it to somebody else, they are going to pay the taxes. But the taxes don't go away. But that's still, you know, as, as the recipient, I'm still net better off with that money than without. Susie? All right. 651-461-9226. This texter writes, I sold a parcel of property. I may have capital gains taxed. The question is, how can I shelter for possible nursing home costs and how much can be gifted to children this year? And does nursing home look back to include money gifts when it's determining, you know, how much you can, you know, the formula, what's happening there? Yeah. Yep, it's, it's an excellent text, Peg. There's a lot of different complicated questions there. Let's unbundle as much of that as we can in the time we have left. Yeah, so the um, selling of the property with <clears throat> capital gains, uh, if you've already done it, there's no kind of turning it back and doing something like a 1031 exchange where you uh, exchange property property and then you can defer the capital gains a little bit longer, but let's go into the gifting. So this year we can all gift $17,000 to as many people as we want to and not have to fill out a gift tax return or a piece of paper that the IRS wants to um, keep track of. If you happen to give 50,000 to one person, you have to fill out this five, you have to fill out this IRS form. Not that you have to pay tax in that particular year, but they want to calculate when you die whether you are under the estate tax amount that we can all die with, which is close to $13 million a piece right now. So once again, if you have five kids, you can give them each $17,000. If there's uh, uh, you know, two of you, then you can give $34,000 uh, as a gift to each kid. When it comes to nursing home, absolutely 
they will come back and look at what you've given. There's no reprieve from giving the 17000 to each kid, and, and there's still kind of this clawback um, situation. So you got to be very careful uh, when you do give gifts and you, if you feel like you might be close to that circumstance, then uh, you might want to let your, you can still give the money, but what a lot of clients do and their children do is they keep that money in a separate account and don't necessarily go spend it at this point in time. Um, they, in, they can invest it, they can, uh, you know, open up their own account, but yet there is this look back. Bruce? Peg, that was such a great answer and such a great summary of a lot of different complicated questions in one text. I just want to add a little bit. Um, you mentioned you can gift up to 17000 per year per person. Let me dig a little deeper there. So a married couple that wants to give money to their adult child who's also married, you can actually each give 17000 to your child. That's 34000 But you can also give 17000 each to their spouse. So you literally could give away $68,000 to one family without any tax ramifications for anybody. And I'm not saying all of our listeners can afford to do that and should go do that, but that's how high it actually is. The other thing I just wanted to add clearly to Peg, you mentioned uh, the exclusion on the size of the estate being you know, nearly $13 million. Again, that's for a married couple, but that's an individual exclusion, and that's the federal exclusion. I don't know where you live listening right now as you're listening, but this show originates in the state of Minnesota, and the state of Minnesota also has an estate tax. So you might be safe from uh, estate taxes at the federal level, but Peg, I think the state of Minnesota right now, it's only $3 million, isn't that right? Correct. So you also have to factor in the state that you live in, and is there estate taxes in that, in that state and at what level? Susie, I'm, I'm sorry I, I over-rambled maybe, and I uh, <laughs> ran us out of time. We probably don't have time to take another question. I know we've got less than a minute left. Yeah, we sure do. But let's let folks that are having their text questions remember that they can reach out to Bruce or Peg at this number anytime, one eight 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 six advice Again, one eight 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 six advice Or you can also email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. That's your money at wealthenhancement.com. Make it a great week.